Hello and welcome to the Motion E podcast. It's 2024 and you'll notice a few changes on the feed. In this first podcast, it'll be a short one. We'll, we'll blast through the uh, first Formula E race of the season in Mexico City. And then um, afterwards, if you're listening to this sequentially, which uh, some people still apparently do, uh, you will hear the Motion Racing podcast, where we talk about Daytona 24 hours, about its significance in the sports car calendar, and about um, whether we are in a sports car golden age, um, whether that term is overused, and when when the last sports car golden age was and why they never last and we'll hopefully get a bit wistful about that uh, my guest on both of these journeys uh i'm sasha and this is uh the best doctor um because the good doctor is already taken on uh, podcasting jonathan gitlin hello jonathan hello how are you i'm good and uh how are you well, not too bad thanks i'm good. Uh, looking forward to talking to you about racing first of all Mexico City. Um, I I breathed a sigh of relief when it opened the Formula E season last year, um, but uh, mm-hmm. this this year it was a um, bit, bit of a damp squib that race. Um, many reasons given for it, but the fact is that we had uh, three overtaking moves and um, uh, not not a great deal of excitement. So, was the lack of overtaking a surprise? Well. People have pointed to the high altitude, the uh, problems with downforce that the Gen 3 has, and uh, the um, o- ongoing issues with hand-cooked tyres, which gradually seem to be solving themselves. But um, how, what, what did you make of the lack of overtaking? And uh, did you think that uh, it was a good advert for it not being on free-to-air UK TV? Honestly, the biggest surprise I had about Mexico was that I had forgotten until a week before that it was even happening then realized oh wait formula e season's getting started yeah uh, reading some comments from drivers i think some people put the blame on the sport giving the cars too much energy for the race and so because everyone was able to drive flat out um you know and there's no there you know you're not having to concentrate more on your driving and saving energy um you know unless the car behind is significantly faster it's going to be difficult to overtake um and the cars are all substantially similar, you know, thanks to the rules. Um, but also, it's not a great circuit either. I mean, I, the you know, 40,000 people sit around the infield, but their cars just kind of wiggle through in a procession and then out again. Um, I don't know how exciting that is, really, but they did pack the grandstands. I, I could answer obtusely. I'm not sure how exciting baseball is in that stadium either, but um, maybe, maybe I need to really get used to the sport to know about that. But um, joking apart, the, um, yes, I mean, uh, the, the Mexico City circuit hasn't produced an all-time classic in Formula E, but it, it, it has produced some action in the past that we can that we can look back to fondly, like you know, Degrassi beating Verline on the line um, uh, in, mm-hmm. in, in Pascal's first first season um, and and so on. But yeah, um, th- this... Do you think the blame lies with the car then? Do I think the blame lies with the car? Um, so I, I think... I think the blame lies with the energy allowance, which uh, which which led which led to um, what what was what was pretty much a uh, race without too much conservatism. I, I think I think the blame partly lies with with the Hankook tires. To be honest, um, I I mean, mm-hmm. um, plenty of drivers complained about it last season. I I'm I 
I'm led to believe that one of the drivers disliked the handling of the car so much that he actually potentially was one of the ones who left the sport at the end of last season. So um, I, I, I don't, I don't I think... know when I went to Portland and spoke to people, hmm. you know, no one, no one had particularly good things to say about the tyres last year. They have not changed. Apparently they confirmed that the spec of the tyre will remain the same despite criticism. Hmm. Okay, oh, well, well um, they made enough. They probably made a giant batch, and it's like, well, these are the tires we made. Those are the tires you're going to race with. That's well, what the tender was for. So the 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 idea was to produce a tire that would that would last through several races, and uh, they've they've done that. But um, I, I I think um, I questioned in several episodes with guests last year uh, wh- whether. Um, whether doing that to the detriment of racing was actually the, mm. right, the right signal and the right message. Um, absolutely, but... you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. I think you know the racing has to be entertaining as well as technology development. Otherwise, what's the point? Mm. You know, if it's just technology development, don't bother asking people to turn up and don't make a sport out of it. Um... Yeah, but uh, I. I, I feel I feel like the Gen Three year is um, you know at, at a kind of inflection point. Um, mm-hmm. a, a few a few of the teams are waiting for the car to be evoed so so that they can uh, so so they can also make revisions uh, to the homologated powertrain. Um, and um, I I think um, I I think there's a few teams that we'll name in a minute that uh, could could certainly do with that step change forward. But for for the moment. Um, Porsche out in front with uh, Jaguar a very close second in t- second in terms of performance and um, it, b- bearing in mind we all thought that Porsche would run away with it um, through the season last season ju- just because they seem to be able to not only qualify on pole every time but also um, b- bring it bring it home with usable energy left over I, I think there were quite a few teams um, kind of looking at the magic equation they seem to have on that powertrain but while it's a bit closer this season, they 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 still seem to have the slight edge over Jaguar. Is is this what you anticipate also being the case through the season? Um, probably because Porsche does seem particularly um, interested in trying to win it this year. I mean, the fact that they told De Costa he couldn't do, you know, a split program doing sports cars as well as Formula E. You know, sorry, we really need you. We really need to win this championship. You have to concentrate on it really hard. Um, probably, but I don't know. I would never tell anyone to put money on any of the the, the proclamations I made about how a season might unfold. Um, one thing in thirty years of watching motorsport is I, I never, honestly, even though I love the sport and I try and find out as much about it as possible, um, my predictions always fail terribly. I mean, it always feels like Jaguar are. I mean, it feels like Jaguar's technology is very good and they're always there or thereabouts. Pascal Verlein um, was... Well, it's, Pascal Verlein always turns into Hercules when he goes to Mexico. Um, he, he always pulls out uh, seemingly his best performance of the season. It, it was no different this time, but um, I, I guess the, the question people have is about um, whether his team can provide him with consistency over the season, and whether he can stay out of trouble in qualifying, because often his race pace is not is is not the problem. Um, 
what what do you think about Pascal Verlein in in general uh, com- compared to the top talents in motorsport? Because I, I think when he came through at Mercedes and was sort of placed with with Manor in their final season in 2016, um, he he was sort of touted as uh, one one of the best talents in um, in in motorsport. Full stop. At that time, um, you know, a real find for Mercedes. Uh, now. Obviously, he's had to leave Mercedes and jump over to their their potentially their biggest rivals in order to um, in order to give his career the jump start he felt it needed. But uh, it, would you, would you still put him up there or thereabouts? Uh, would you would you still say among the very top echelons of talented drivers, Pascal Verlein is there? Um, I suppose my opinion of Pascal Verlein is always clouded by his time in F one where again, he was heralded, as you say, as like one of the all-time greats in motorsport, this up-and-coming young Mercedes driver, and he never really blew, never really impressed me that much. I mean, yeah, he's good, I suppose. Um, but I don't know that I would think of him in the same breath as, you know, Buemi or, um, maybe, you know, even maybe Da Costa, Jev. Like, they seem to be like, you know, if I was thinking of really good formula, like if I was going to pick if I had to pick a Formula E team, um, I don't think he'd be the first or maybe the third phone call I made. Is that is was that a good way to say it? Well, that's that's a that's a that's a really interesting point. I I would say, I, I he would definitely be in my be in my top three phone calls, but I just wouldn't expect him to answer the phone if you know what I mean. Um, I, 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 I I'm not not be, not being the not being the most talkative or the most um, outgoing of drivers, but um, I I would. Say, I would I would say I would say Verlein is certain certainly in the sort of com- conversation of um, mm. be, um, best drivers currently driving in an FIA World Championship. I, I think the question I would have uh, go, goes back to well, if 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 you look at the logjam of junior drivers that Mercedes had at a particular time. Um, the the reason why Toto Wolff, for example, prioritised George Russell George Russell's career over his. I, I think. Um, Obviously, that that was when that was when he started falling out with Mercedes, and when when he broke his contract with them to uh, to go and join Formula E in the first place. But I I feel like he's he's always been looking for um, an organization to um, rank him as their top talent that 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 they are going to build the team around. And mm-hmm. with with De Costa there at Porsche, obviously he's outperforming him, but. I still don't feel like he he quite has that, and maybe he won't as long as he's as long as he's at a big factory team. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, some drivers, you know, do need that to you know need everything in place to be able to perform. Um, and if the stars aren't quite aligned, um, you know, they don't. But I, it has to. I mean, he to have walked away. With P1, when De Costa got nothing hmm. last weekend, I mean, you know, that has to be, um, that has to help his self-confidence or, you know, kind of psychologically, he's going to give him a boost going into Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, one one final thought on the Mexico City pre. Um, obviously, we... We we have to look ahead with more positivity to Diria, which um, is not an easy place to look ahead to with positivity. But one more point on Mexico City um, with with a Nick De Vries. Now, the, the the reason I feel sad and the reason I keep bringing this up is because 
I cannot believe um, how this how this man's career has nosedived quite so much since his Formula E title. Um, he went to uh, well, he, he he had that one race, obviously with with, with Williams, where he uh, did pretty well um, in um, in a processional Grand Prix and fin- finished finished eighth at Monza. Um, and that seems to be what Red Bull based their decision to hire him, hire him on, even though at the time he was a Mercedes driver in Formula E. Um, and now he's back in Formula E with Mahindra, uh, started P22, finished 15th. Um, re- regardless of who's managing him or <laughs> what decisions he's being told to make, it's a pretty good job he's got that Toyota drive in WEC. Otherwise, I would feel really miserable for him. Yes. Um it's tempting to write him off as you know right as as the fact that his f1 journey destroyed him but i mean it might maybe he just really doesn't like the new car um because he didn't did it, he didn't drive he didn't race in formula e last year right yeah so so it's um it's it's one less year of, it, it, a, a bit like Jihan Daruvalo. it's one year less of gen 3 experience than anybody else and right. uh, with with the cars being a completely different kettle of fish to the gen 2 that's going to hurt yeah, I mean, with the you know, I mean, as we discussed, the tires are you know might as well be made out of rocks. Um, I think it's he's probably found a very different sport to the one that he left. Um, plus, you know, the psychological trauma of what he went through, as you said, did okay in the Williams. Um, that appears to have been Red Bull decided to right, we're going to hire you based on that. Um, and yeah, he just he fell apart. Kind of F one sort of passed on him first time round, really too. Hmm. Um, but yes, his uh, Toyota is probably a good good place to rebuild his self confidence. That was the that was the uh, um, Motiony uh, podcast. Um, and um, for for those of you listening on um, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, the next podcast in your feed will be the Motion Racing podcast, where we'll look at sports car racing. I'm going to play you out now with the um, gorgeous ra- uh, radio stylings of Mr. Dan Tipton. I had a f***ing barrier in the middle of the track as Degrassi crashed. Yeah. Can't be arsed with this sport!